Welcome to the Tuesday, August 4th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. And man, the bubble is well and truly underway. There's a lot to talk about um, from since the last time we talked, which was last Friday. And man, there have just been some great games, some great performances, and I can't wait to talk about it. Today's podcast, we're going to be doing some recaps on what has happened in the NBA since we last um, talked. And there's just a lot of things to do. And today's um, style is basically going to be, I'm going to go through four bad, um, I'm going to call it the the good and bad, where I'm going to talk about four good things to come out of this NBA weekend and four bad things. And I'm really excited to do this because, man, I love talking basketball and the bubble has been absolutely fantastic so far. But before we get into this episode, I'm going to have to do some quick house cleaning. Please remember to follow TV on Basketball on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TV on Basketball. Links are in my link tree in my channel, also in this in the description of this video. I might have some links like around here on the screen somewhere if you're on YouTube, so please check those out. If you're listening to this on the good old podcast network, Apple Podcasts, remember to please um, like, share, and subscribe. Um, sorry, share, subscribe, leave a five-star review, all that good stuff. If you're on Podbean, please remember to like and follow to show your support. And remember, we're also on, on Anchor and Podbean, and sorry, and Spotify as well. So, yeah, keep showing your support. We are we just eclipsed 500 followers on Instagram, which is absolutely fantastic. Thank you guys for for all your support, and we're gonna hopefully to continue to do this. In terms of my podcasting schedule slash YouTube uploading schedule, I've been doing some daily recaps on the game. If you missed some games over the last few days, so check those out on my YouTube or my IGTV. Those have been really fun to record, and just these games have been absolutely fantastic to watch. So I've been enjoying doing them. In terms of the podcast and YouTube and just like these longer episodes, I'm going to be uploading on Mondays. Um, I wasn't able to do it yesterday because it was a holiday here in Canada. But on Mondays, I'm going to be doing a weekend review. And at, and at the end of the week on Friday, I'm going to be doing a weekend review. So no Wednesday podcast. We're not going to be having the top 10s back until probably the off season. But, you know, we're, we're still going to be chugging on because this NBA season has been absolutely crazy. And you know, like I said, lots of things to talk about today. So yeah, I got all that poking you up the way. Let us get into the good versus bad. Versus bad. And the first topic I'm going to talk about, which we're going to be starting on the good side, is the Toronto Raptors showing up in this bubble so far. The Raptors are 2-0 in this bubble, and it was just two just like fantastic performances. We go on to the first game, the Lakers game, and it was just a defensive virtuoso at that point. 107-92 behind Kyle Lowry's 13 points, 14 rebounds from the point guard position, six assists. OG Ananobi, 23 points in this game, in that game as well. And they were able to hold Anthony Davis to 14 points and LeBron to only 20. And then when you go into the second game, you have Fred Van Vliet hitting a career high, 36 points over the Miami Heat in a victory, 107-103. Along with just like some great contributions, I mean Siakam finally bounced back in this um, in the second game as well, able to score 22 points, 13 of them coming in the first quarter, and even Ibaka coming back after having lost the foul trouble in the first game, having 15 points and eight rebounds as well, and that didn't come with some like just um, great effort from the Heat side of things because they just got some great contributions all around. Jay Crowder 16, I believe 16 from Jimmy Butler, 17 from Kelly Olynyk, and then led by Goran Dragic with 25. If you if you're a Raptors fan and watched Goran Dragic over the years, he has been a thorn on our side. But 
we were able to pull out two victories. And the thing about the Raptors is like, when you face them, because they're such, they've been together, like the core group of players, like just speaking on OG, Kyle, Ibaka, Van Vliet, Siakam, and maybe like OG, if you like add them to the mix, like these, just like a core group of guys that have been together for so long, they just know their tendencies and you just know like when to turn up. And they're just able to like show it in the bubble. They just are able to work hard and they are proving why they should still be in that conversation in the um in terms of being in the championship game because and sorry in the finals because they're just able to just outwork teams and that is what they've been showing these last two games on the lake like in the lakers game like you could tell once like things weren't going um early like once it wasn't like going good for them early for the lakers they just started like you know hanging their heads they started like they just couldn't like really like get a rhythm going and the Raptors were able to take advantage of that they always feel this motivation to try and just outwork his teams. And that's why it's just a lot harder against the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat always bring their A game against the Raptors. You know that the Heat are going to give out their best effort. But the, with the Raptors, with Fred Van Vliet 36, they're just able to squeak by. And like I said, you just have, like when you have a roster like Toronto that has so much depth and just compete at a high level every night, you're going to just need, like, you might have some teams that are going to have more talent than the Raptors, but they won't be able to work as hard. And that's why the Raptors are able to like get so many wins. Even on the defensive end, like, like I said, they've been, they've put on some great defensive performances over these last few games. And a, and, a, and a reason why that is, is that where is the defensive liabilities on here? Sure, you can maybe mention out Matt Thomas, who does play some spot minutes here and there. But Matt Thomas is a great positional defender. And what I mean by that is that, sure, he might get blown by once in a while, but he'll always be at the right position at the right time. That's why you have people like J.J. Reddick where – the Pelicans are not afraid to leave him out on the court because he's able to like just play just good positional defense. Sure, he's not going to be able to. Um, I'm sure some guys might be able to like go by him easily, but he'll be there. I mean, he'll he'll contest. Might not do it great, but he still like just knows where to be at the right place at the right time. And this is just like up and down with the with the um, Raptors. Like they just have so much confidence, and they really like it when they're being doubted. Like more, the more people doubt them, the more that fuels them, and with Kawhi leaving last season and them like saying like, oh, you think that we cannot like go back to that level because we don't have Kawhi? Well, let's show you. And they've just been able to do that. And like I said, like, they're the defending NBA champions. You should not be taking them lightly. And would I be surprised if they took down the books? No, not really, because they're just like, you just have to know that sometimes like when you have like a team like the Raptors, like you just don't have to like um, expect them to play hard. And that's what they do every single night. They're the defending champions, and they're not going to go down easy. So if you're any of those East teams, like the Raptors are a threat. Even in the finals, the Raptors are going to be a threat. And honestly, as a Raptor fan, can't be any more happy with the type of results we're getting. I know we're playing Wednesday against the um, – I honestly forgot who we're facing, but it, it's been looking so good so far in the bubble. We go on to the first um, of the bads, and it's a, it's rough to see this, but Jonathan Isaac going down with an in, a torn ACL in that um, Orlando Magic um, game versus the Sacramento Kings, where they absolutely dominated, by the way, but in garbage time, they're trying to get Isaac back into the groove of things. He jumped up in the air. You could see his knee just buckle, the same knee he got surgery on earlier on in the season. And he had to be carried off on a wheelchair, which is absolutely 
um, horrible for the guy. He just seems like an, a genuinely nice guy who like looks out for a lot of people. And you could tell like how much that hurts the Magic team because you could see like a lot of like Magic players just like tearing up a bit. They felt really bad for the guy, and he's gone through a lot this season because like even like pre-injury, he's looked really good. Like he's had career highs all over the place. He's looking like one of like the better defensive players like in the NBA. And this is a huge step back. I mean, he was he wanted to he worked so hard to get back just to play in the bubble and now in the second game he gets injured. Absolutely sucks for him. And the thing about non contact injuries, like we've just seen so many issues of that where like you see just and, and the worst one that comes to mind for me is Derek Rose. Like you just see you just remember him like jumping up in the air, like his knee buckling and he tears his ACL in the first round of the playoffs that one year. And you just know it's just like those type of injuries like when there's no contact and you're in that much pain, you just know it's bad. So yeah, like this guy, like he was having one of his better years, improving his jumper, like being like the defensive anchor for that um, Orlando Magic team. And seeing him injured like that, it, it absolutely sucks. You only wish like good things about these guys. Like a lot of these guys are risking a lot to be in this bubble, and just seeing the um like. Honestly, a genuine, a genuinely nice guy, and Jonathan Isaac come down with injuries, absolutely horrible. Hopefully, we're gonna get back to him later on this podcast because I have some more gripes about people reacting to this injury. But yeah, hopefully he um, recovers soon. Hopefully we might. I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to see him next year, but hopefully we get to see him soon because this guy was looking like going to be one of like a rising star for sure. Back to some good news, and we're going to talk about the one guy who has taken the NBA bubble by storm. And the second good point I want to bring up is T.J. Warren's performances so far. Because T.J. Warren, in his first two games, is averaging over 40 points a game. And it all started in the, like, the um, first game versus the Philadelphia 76ers, where I'm honestly saying Philly played a good game, but they just didn't want to guard T.J. Warren. He scored a career high. 53, yes, 53 points for T.J. Warren in game one. And he was, and what I loved like watching that game is that it wasn't one of those things where, okay, this guy's on fire, give it to him and let him dribble, 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 try to get like a bad shot off and just see if he like um, can to do it because he's hot. No, this guy was getting his shot in rhythm. Like he was able to just, um, he was able to like just get some of these points, get some of these buckets just, like, on the floor of the offense. And a lot of them was, like, oh, he's trailing. Why don't you shoot a three? And he did that, like, multiple times in that game. And that's not really his game, too. Like, he's not, like, a great three-point shooter. But when you're hot, I mean, you're hot. Nine threes in that game for T.J. Warren, which I believe ties up Pacers' record for most threes in the game. And he really continued that playoff in the second game when they, in a big win over the Washington Wizards yesterday, 111-100. And he scored another 34 points, grabbing 12 rebounds as well. Sure, he wasn't as on fire from three, but again, just this guy just gets buckets, and the Pacers really need it because Sabonis being out, Oladipo having to be in and out of the lineup, he was he was resting yesterday. They're gonna need some offense, and at this point, I mean, Jeremy Lamb is injured as well. You know, tearing his meniscus slash ACL back in February. They need some offense, and T.J. Warren has been the source of offense. I don't know, like I like I said in my recap, I believe it was two days ago. Like, will it? Um, continue. We'll just have to wait and see. But 
you you can't lie. This has been like really fun watching just like some like an out of nowhere story. You just love to have like these kind of like out of nowhere stories. And Teacher Warren has been a great one so far, especially because they've needed every single one of those points and able to get these wins. A big win over Philadelphia um, over the weekend, and then a, uh, another win on yesterday. Sorry, on Monday over the. Washington Wizards puts the Pacers in a good place. There's, I believe they're still ahead of the 76ers at this point. And TJ Warren looking really good so far. Hopefully this fairy tale story continues because hope if TJ Warren gets to that next level, you know, these Pacers might have found themselves a gem, especially because they were only able to trade a second-round pick and cash considerations for the guy. This guy's out here to prove these guys wrong, like the Suns wrong for trading him for basically nothing like it was like it was absolutely nothing and he's showing them like why they should have um either got more for him and just like show like how valuable he is going back to the bad and we're going to talk about some refereeing because sure like the nba players are like, coming back, they're a little bit rusty. There hasn't been much defense shown in this bubble so far. But the refs have had some absolute stinkers in some of these games. And the ones I want to really focus on are the ones against the Boston Celtics. Because the last, the first two games for um, Celtics fans, there have just been a lot of controversial calls. We look at game one, um, when they faced the Milwaukee Bucks, where they narrowly lost that game. You know, Tatum was horrible that game and all that. Sure, you can um, you can talk about that, and they were in it for the whole game. By the way, I mean Jalen Brown had a good game, good performances from I believe also Brad Wanamaker in that game as well. Um, also Marcus Smart, but the talk of that game was that Giannis had five fouls like throughout the majority of the fourth quarter, and there were just three instances where um, he didn't even get called for a foul, which is absolutely crazy. The blocking foul, a lot of people are saying, oh, that's a charge, whatever, whatever. Marcus Smart was sliding in. That's fine. But then there were two instances where um, Giannis, like, got some guy on the arm, I believe, late in the fourth quarter, which they, um, I think, attributed to someone else. And then that hit on Daniel Tice. I mean, he, like, hit him, like, right in the stomach there. And he didn't get caught for a foul either. Some people are going to say that it was literally nothing, but those are just, like, offenses. Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, you know – they, they're trying to keep Giannis in this game. Like, they want to, like, they don't want their star to go out. And that just caused a lot of controversy. In my opinion, he should have fouled out. They were, like, that's, like, when you, like, are, like, kind of, like, tiptoeing across that line for so long, you don't have to call one of them. And they didn't. And that raised a lot of controversy. And, honestly, that costed the Celtics a loss. I mean, the fact that they were able – that were even in that game was absolutely crazy because Tatum was bricking all night. But – you know, it was just like an unfortunate circumstances, and that really put like the um, the NBA refs under a microscope from that point on. We move on to the second game where they are facing the um, they are facing the Portland Trailblazers, and you know there was just like again some very like controversial calls. Um, one being Daniel Tice going up for a rebound against. Um, I believe it was, you know, against the going up against Nurkic, and they both honestly they both came to came at each other with kind of the exact same force, and he was just like he was called for a foul there, which was like which kind of like um, which kept the Trailblazers in it. But the one call that they like, that um, a lot of Celtics fans are complaining about 
was the backcourt violation and it was it, it really shouldn't have and apparently after the game this ref said oh the rule is your your possession doesn't have to be in the um in the front court for a backcourt violation to happen it's it has like it has to be him you know the ball crossing over the half court line and it went backwards so that's what it's called half court violation and what's really confused me about that call was that every like other um call in the NBA has to do like with your foot positioning and why is it now that the ball has to be like over half court for it to like going over the half court line to be over and back I didn't know that was a thing because I've seen I've seen like um plays where like people are being pressured in the backcourt and like the the players holding the ball or like holding it over the half court line like this and they don't think they'll call for it so I don't know where this rules come from it hasn't been really clear and Maybe I have to do my research, but I swear they haven't called this in the past, and that caused a lot of controversy because this just again kept the Trailblazers in the game. Luckily, they were able to win because Jason Tatum actually like went off that game, thirty-four points. Um, great performance there, but it has gotten a lot of flack from um, for the NBA refs, um, especially like for the Celtics. And it just hasn't looked good for them. Like I, I could, like I said, I named a couple of instances there where you could really like make an argument about that it wasn't like a, like you could have like like it could have gone either way, but they really like were against the Celtics in these situations. And they had to clean this stuff up. Maybe they have to be more clear in their, um, in their explanations. But at the same time, so there are some big referee blunders over those last two games. We go on to another, uh, to one of the goods, and we're talking about the Western Conference AT race because it has been great so far. The only team that's kind of out of it is the Sacramento Kings, but so far the other teams, you know, they're making a case for why they, why each of them could um, be in that place. Sure, the Grizzlies have lost all three games, but they've been close. They've been competitive. That's all you want to ask for. They might still, I think they are still going to be safe for the eighth seed, but we're going to have to wait and see because some of these teams going after them, they're looking good, man. They're looking real good. Uh, we talked about the Spurs. They've won two of the last three games. Um, if you listen to my recap earlier, they lost a heartbreaking one to the 76ers last night. But they've looked great. I mean, with Ellen Marcus Aldridge, they don't have to slow things down. They can run the they can run with the ball and it's gone then it's gone then one so far and DeRozan has been good in the bubble so far as well. Good some good contributions also from Derek White, um, Rudy Gay, DeJounte Murray. They're in these games and now they're only in the tenth seed, only I believe two games back from the Grizzlies, so they're in the race. We talk about the Trailblazers. They look honestly they look like the best team by far out of all these teams. Sure they had some they hard, they've had some Hard-breaking losses, like, against especially the Celtics, but... So they had a hard-breaking loss against the Celtics, but they looked great. Nurkish looked like he hasn't missed a step. Lillard is doing Lillard-type things. TJ McCollum is, is giving them some production. And, honestly, they they look like the veteran presence. They look like, you know, we've been here before. We know what it takes. And they looked absolutely fantastic as well. And that's and that's really making the race um, more interesting. I wasn't going to put the Pelicans on this list, but they got a big win over the Grizzlies yesterday, which keeps them in it. If they're able to play Zion, and Zion is a big game changer here because he has been absolutely, when he's been on the court, he's been good. 
don't mind the second game because they just got trashed by the Clippers. But that first game against the Utah Jazz, you know, 13 points in 15 minutes. I mean, he had a he had minutes restriction, so he couldn't play it out. But when he could play it out, you see what happened yesterday. 23 points yesterday. Great, um, great um, just game in general for the um, for the young man. And if you guys keep him in the court, he's so dangerous out there. He's matching with Brandon Ingram, the defensive backcourt, and Drew Holiday and Roland Ball. Just getting a really good roster there. And they've shown that if Zion gets a chance, he plays, he's going to play really well. And then even the Suns, I mean, they've sure they've won. They had to face two horrible teams, but they've gained some wins, which is making it a lot, a lot more interesting. So, like, a lot of just, like, these eight-seed battles, it's going to be really interesting. And we're almost – apparently on the broadcast, I heard there's a 98% guarantee that there's going to be a play game, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to be awesome to watch. And let's just see how um, how this plays out. But it's looking really good. The Western Conference looks super entertaining right now. Compared to these, because the Warriors are, don't look like they belong whatsoever. And I'm just glad that we're getting, like, just, like, some great competition out there in the eight seed. So, let's see who's going to get it, because there are lots of options. And, honestly, it could go lots of different ways, and I'm excited to see what happens. We go on to another bad, to one of the bads. And we have to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, because... Man, they they've been in some close games and they're just not able to pull it off. It's not, and the thing is, their offense has been there both games. If you look at game one, they've got like they got twenty four points at least from four players. Kristaps was like near forty. Luca had like a near thirty point triple double. Trey Burke, yeah, Trey Burke had twenty eight points that game. THJ, Tim Hardaway Jr. twenty four, and they weren't able to win against the Houston Rockets because they just cannot play defense. They can't. And seeing that rebound that Robert Covington had in that game to uh, win it, I mean, to like tie the game and force overtime where the Rockets eventually won it, you could just see that the just the defensive um, effort under Mavericks is just not there. And sure, they have some okay defensive players. I mean, excuse me, Dorian Finney-Smith, not a bad player whatsoever. But when you have him carrying your defense, it's tough. I mean, Sure, Christmas Porzingis can like get some block shots and all that because he's freaking seven foot three, but he's not a good defender. He really isn't, and he doesn't fit the five position very well because when you go up against some of the bigger guys, I mean, he had to face. I mean, he DeAndre Ayton didn't play great on in the Suns game, but he just he's just not a good defender, and he needs to play the four position, which is his more natural position. And the thing about the the Dallas Mavericks is like like I said, their offense will always be there. They got thirty points apiece from Luca and KP in the Suns loss um two days ago. But it's just been really tough for them just because they just cannot close out games. And that's what worries about me in the playoffs and why like um I'm not sure if I like said this in the predictions podcast or some other podcast. Like I just don't think that their defense is gonna hold up um in the playoffs and they might have to play the Rockets way. I mean just play offense for 45 minutes and defend for the final three. And just like, just hopefully you're in the game. But with the Dallas Mavericks is that they'll play offense for 48 minutes, but where's the defense? There hasn't been. And that's just been absolutely um, tough for them because they haven't been able to get the win. And they've had some opportunities. Like I said, if they beat the Houston Rockets there, that could have maybe put them into the fifth, fourth seed conversation. But it's with these two losses, they're like furthering themselves from that. And, 
it's been a rough um, two games because, like I said, both winnable games. But, yeah, Dallas Mavericks giving me some worries. I know the offense is going to be there. Luka has been great. KP has been great. But where are they going to find that defensive spark? I, I look up and down the roster. They can't play Boban because he's basically just a standing rock there. He cannot, like, defend a pick and roll whatsoever. KP can't really defend, like, um, one-on-one. It's it's going to be tough for them. Luka needs to do so much on the offensive end anyway as well. So where are they going to find a defensive spark? I don't know. But they're going to have to figure it out if they do want to make some noise in the playoffs. We go into the final good. And this has to do, like, kind of off the NBA court, but just the unity within the NBA like over the last few days because in the bubble so far because there has just been some great social justice and messages, you know, the ones on the back of the jerseys look absolutely fantastic. The Black Lives Matter on the court, just the promos they've been doing, like in terms of like the social justice has been absolutely fantastic. Um and also the like just like some of the actions like some of these players have taken and the NBA kind of did, like um will be giving them just free reign on that. I mean, Donovan Mitchell uh, wearing a bulletproof vest to kind of protest on behalf of Brianna Taylor. The Raptors Black Lives Matter team bus looks fantastic. You know, keep spreading the message there. The Butler Namus jerseys, although the NBA kind of told him to um, change it, you know, it's a good message there in, within the bubble. And what I just like about the NBA, what they're doing here is they're keeping the message alive, keeping the conversation going. And the fact that they're showing this in like basically every NBA broadcast, which is, is great. They've been talking about it in a lot of the in like the color commentary as well, which is great. And they're really trying to use that platform to um, keep the message alive. I mean, LeBron James has talked about it as well. Hope like all the kneeling and stuff like that has been fantastic to see like the unity within the NBA, especially the thing in the middle where you have the, the coaches like kind of switch sides, so they're with the other team, like kind of like looking them together. It's been great and. I'm just glad to see that the NBA is like really like taking this message seriously and like um, continue like just keeping the, the conversation going. Now, this is if you just look at the just the like actions that they're doing itself, they're not, not going to create change. Hopefully, the NBA can also be a catalyst into like just you know hope like making sure that you know laws bylaws are passed and stuff like that to like make sure that systemic racism um, can be abolished at some point and like the police brutality um, issue can be resolve. Like, hopefully they can actually use the platform, not just to spread the message, but to actually um, create change. And what I like is, you know, the Coaches Association has really been talking with, like, their cities and all that to, like, kind of, like, create change and NBA, in the um, NBA Players Association as well, doing the same thing. Now, so to the NBA, hopefully they can, like, not just, like, spread the message, um, change, change the way society, like, be a catalyst to, like, how change can actually be made and, like, just be a big part of that. But yeah, so far, so good. Hopefully, um, um, significant change can, can come out, out of this whole scenario. And I want to do uh, with this podcast with a bad, which sucks, but I mean, you know, there's there's been a lot of bashing of players and staff over the last few days for not especially for extending for the national anthem where a lot where the majority of players and staff have been kneeling. But this is just not what I want to see. This is this is like this is just speaking of unity before that, like 
if we have to respect people's decision whether they stand for the for national anthem or not because the flag means a lot of different things for them and the one i want to talk about most is the jonathan isaac one um like the backlash over him like standing for national anthem was like just some of the things i've seen on twitter and instagram have been absolutely disgusting he he had to defend himself saying that he thinks that kneeling and um kneeling for the national anthem and wearing the shirt isn't going to charge um cause real change and that what is needed is just love among all and he's christian so he's using a lot of like christian like type messages but you have to respect that because you know he he like he said he still supports the um cause and all that but he thinks he wants to go about a different way and you just have to respect that like this is not the one and only way you can combat and like spread the message and kind of like how like people like are deceiving like you know if you're kneeling, you're against, you know, military and all that, and, like, making those assumptions, which are completely wrong, by the way, um, like, they're making those assumptions, you can't just make assumptions that if someone's standing, they're against it, because Myers Warner has, has been standing, and he's been, like, um, really advocating for Black Lives Matter, but he's doing it because his brother is in the Army, so he just wants, like, show respect for that. And like I said, the flag means something different to everyone else. And same thing with Greg Popovich, who as a coach has been like one of the biggest catalysts for um, um, this whole scenario. And you know how much work he does. And he stood for the national anthem because he, um, for personal reasons, he's like he said, but you have to stop all this hate. I mean, like I said, if you're not, if, if they're saying, that doesn't mean that they're not like a, like supporting the movement. They just like, the flag just means something different for them. And, you know, you just have to like support people either way. And the way we're going to, have to, um, you know, change things is that we have to be respectful of like every other, everyone's opinion and the way they go about things because there's a lot of different ways to combat this issue, this issue. And not everyone has to kneel, not everyone has to do this. Like we have to attack this issue from different angles in order to find a way that we they can create this change. So yeah, hopefully we don't see as much hate anymore. Um, there's some horrible things, especially like after Johnson Isaac got injured that saying that this was karma and all that. Whoever's been saying that, please just just leave. Just just some of the things I've been seeing, like backlash over this guy has been absolutely horrible, especially for such a young player who has a big heart. This guy has a big heart, has all good intent, but you know, like I said, hopefully he gets um um healthy and all that. But I just hope to see that there's like more love within this because there are all, like this is not the right way to go about it. But those are just a few bad apples. Other than that lots of great things coming out of this bubble in terms of like um trying to create um keep the message alive for sure and that is all i have to um, talk about in today's podcast thank you guys for listening um again i'm gonna be coming back on friday to do another recap um on some of the biggest stories from the bubble and yeah remember to please follow tv on that basketball on twitter facebook and instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content also check out my daily recaps it can be found on youtube and or igtv if you want to just know a short recap of what has happened in the nba the day before and besides that um if you're on youtube please like share and subscribe that would be that would mean the world to me if you're on on the podcast line do what you do support it and all that good stuff hopefully we can continue to build this community and Hopefully we can get to hopefully get some more guests on the show over the next few weeks, especially because there's a lot to talk about in the NBA. But this is where I'm going to end the episode. Thank you guys for listening. 
and I hope you all have a fantastic day. Take it easy, guys.